0: Amen. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you this morning that as we gather. or we do so because you've spoken clearly in your word. We do so because we've gathered here to be reminded of the sure and true and forever reality that can be had through your son we thank you that you've spoken so clearly of that reality in your word. And so, Lord, this morning, we thank you that we can gather as a church, as this family, as this body, as this unique reality you've invited us into. Lord, we ask that you would, this morning, point us to our chief shepherd. And that in being pointed to him, we would see where we can have life forevermore and joy forevermore. In this fading world, the forever reality that we can take hold of. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, before jumping into the sermon, most of you probably at this point know. um, But it's appropriate that we would just address it. Uh, early this week, if you don't know, uh, we made the decision unanimously, the elders, uh, Anthem, uh, see, uh, Anthem, we, we believe that the church is, uh, we believe we are the church, and, and the church is uh, something that is created by Jesus Christ. And, and as the church of Jesus Christ, we also get our, our calling, like the design of the church and the standards of the church and of leadership and whatnot from Jesus. We don't make them up. They're not just something you put in some bylaws that you find from some leadership pamphlet, but you find them from Scripture and what Jesus, our King, has said. And so earlier this week, we made the unbelievably difficult decision uh, to uh, remove uh, Stan Hayek uh, in his position as pastor and elder. And many of you know Stan, and many of you love him. And one of the things we want to say up front is that uh, Stan has had an incredible ministry. He's the one who originally planted Anthem. And while right now we, we spent Monday after telling the membership and then had a meeting, that's an appropriate place to, where we went more in depth and tried to be as honest as we could answer all of the questions about why. Uh, this, I feel, would not be as much of an appropriate place to draw all that out. Just to say that the ministry that he's had has been, God has used him in incredible ways. Um, but what we had to wrestle with as elders was, and outside folks that we were bringing in for consultation and for wisdom was that there is a line, though, between what does it mean to be an elder or a shepherd or, or a, a a pastor? What is that line scripturally versus what any of us are called to in ministry uh, in, in following the Lord's leading and His Spirit guiding us? And so that's something that we had to come to that line. And one of the things in this uh, Monday night we went over, what was the decision? Uh, what was that process? And where do we go from here? Here's what I'll say today is... We came to this after when we sat down, we had a principle that was guiding us, which was that we are making this decision based upon shepherding uh, individuals rather than safeguarding an institution. We have to follow what Jesus calls us to do as shepherds, and we have to do it according to his standards and according to where he leads, even however uncomfortable it may be. We always have to choose health over just growth or any of those things, and so it's been an incredible. Incredibly painful, difficult decision, and weak. And so this morning, one, we, we couldn't go forward without announcing this and just saying the, el- the elephant in the room, the obvious thing. But also in the midst of it, we realize that w- where do we go from here? And one of the things that we see in Paul's letter, because I think what he brings out today is incredibly Needed in this moment for us as a church. Because you see, in these moments where everything seems unstable, where everything seems unsteady, where things like every, everything's shaky. And in fact, you can even say when it feels like just things are fading. God says there is a reality that you can stand on in the midst of it. There's, there's a truth here that I have over and over again come to this week. In the midst of all of the my emotions just being just this tempest. Internally, what Jesus does is he calls us to himself the chief shepherd. Specifically, in this passage, it builds to 4 1. And the reason why it was that weird breakdown of like 317 to 4 1 is because in 4 1, Paul says, Stand firmly, thus stand firm in this way in the Lord. And that, that word for stand firm is one that previously had come up in the letter in chapter 1, verse 27. And where it came up there, there's kind of there and then here. And what Paul's saying, he's using what's called a framing device, where he's taking a big concept, and he's saying, "Wait, to stand firm, it starts with everything I've said from that point to now." And what he's covered from that point to now in the letter is he said, "You have the cross of Christ. How do you stand firm? How when everything in life, the ups and downs and everything's shaking like, it just feels like an earthquake? How do you stand firm? And the way that you stand firm first, Paul said, is, you must know the depths of the cross of Christ, what Christ did on the cross, and we, we looked at that two weeks ago, and then, and then next, last week we looked at then the resurrection reality of what does it mean to press on and the resurrection, the reality of God's spirit at work in us? But he says, there's a third thing, something we so desperately need this morning, that we always need, which is the reign of Christ, that there is a forever reality because of what Jesus has accomplished, that you have a citizenship in a heaven, in a reality that will never, ever fade. In other words, if you were to look at, like take out your spiritual ID and you were to look at that spiritual you know, ID or driver's license, it would say on there, not Missouri, but it would say heaven, that you're a son and daughter of the king. If you're in Jesus Christ, this is the reality that you have. And when everything's unstable, what Paul's saying is you need those realities to be able to stand on them. And that you have that reality. Because in the midst of this world, everything will constantly feel like it's fading, it's shaking, it's unsteady. We just acutely feel it right now. In a unique way. You know, the, just the need, like as this week I've just marinated in this reality of heaven. It reminded me of a, something I learned a few years ago. That may be helpful to kind of grasp the significance of this. Put our finger on it. Our, our son, our, our, um, our son Calvin, he's actually adopted. I think I've shared that before in a sermon. And uh, I remember when we uh, signed up for Foster to adopt. And I remember when we went through that process, my wife and I, we signed up for it. And what they don't tell you, uh, they do tell you, you know, you have to prepare for mountains of paperwork. That you have to prepare for invasive home studies. That that it's just going to take a ton of time, it's going to take a ton of finances, and it's going to take a ton of patience, and they they tell you about all that, but what they don't tell you about is that until that child is officially adopted, any moment, it may be over. And and so you live with every single time that you sing a nursery rhyme. Every single mile, so when those first steps come, when those first words come and they call you mama or they call you papa, when, when, you, when those first, those moments when you're, you're going through the normal things of life and, and you want to just embrace it and, you wanna, and they embrace you and, and they're calling you mama and papa and you're putting your, your heart all into them and every single moment that you have that, you have this thing in the back where you're saying, is this just a fading reality? Is this something that's shaky? Are all these memories... Are they just m- merely going to be things that are on our phones and in our, in our Google Drive in a few years? And that's all there is left of this. Everything's shaky, unsteady, fading. And that's how I remember. Man, the morning when Cal was officially adopted. We went to the final adoption uh, hearing, and he was two and a half years old. We'd had him since he was born to two and a half years. We lived in that reality. Our kids, by this point, we had a younger, and he had an older, and this is brother. That was also in the midst of those dynamics. But we were at the final adoption hearing, and I remember the judge, they, they had kind of his original birth file, and they had it out, and they went through, and they, they kind of uh, went through the different details and asked us about them, and then they struck it out. And then they, they closed the file and then they, they, his original birth records and all that and his original name and they sealed it and then they handed it to a clerk and the clerk took it and they disappeared through a door and it was being taken down, essentially buried down in some basement of some, uh, some, in some filing cabinet. And in other words, it was gone forever, legally speaking. And then they took out a new folder. And in this new folder, it listed, it had a new birth certificate listing me as the father listing my wife Lauren as the mother, listing his new name that we had given him. And after a few, they confirmed they had a stand and they asked us questions like, are you who you say you are, right? (laughs) Is this child who you say he is? And we answered those questions and they said, are you committing to this child? Yes, yes. And then I remember the judge took out her gavel and slammed it down and said, you are now Calvin Michael Dennings. And I remember in that moment, I just broke down, just weeping. And, and the, we had friends and family behind us, and they just erupted behind us. And, and even the judge, she was kind of teary-eyed, and everyone's crying. And I remember in the midst of it, Calvin had just been lounging on my lap, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, right? Like, of course you're my dad, right? And, and Calvin eventually, he, he, like, as I'm crying, he's like, what's wrong? Like, everyone's cheering, but you're crying? Like, is, are you hurt, you know? And I said, no, 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 it's, this is, these are good tears. And just squeezed them. And and I didn't quite know how to put into words what was happening in that moment. What was just washing over me, this new reality. And it wasn't until we got home, and I remember how different the feeling was from that first day we brought him home. And I remember I looked at him, and I realized what it was. I said, Calvin, welcome to your forever home. See, what Paul is saying here is that in Jesus Christ, we have been given a forever home. That in the midst of this world, we live in a world that's fading, that there are realities that are just ups and downs and shaking and quivering, and there's just no firm ground to stand on. And what Paul says is, do you know that you've been given a forever home? That because you've been adopted in Jesus Christ, you have all the rights and privileges of, of heaven, that this, this is your home, that it cannot be taken away. And so today, what we need, I think in this moment and what we all in all of life we need is to be living in the midst of these moments, knowing that it's already declared that you have a forever home, that because of Jesus Christ is unfading and kept in heaven for you. And so this morning, what we'll look at is first searching for forever in the fading. Paul's going to impact for us what happens when we, why do we look for what we're meant to find in forever in what's fading? And then secondly, we're going to look at fading into forever. I know that sounds a little like, you know, you're like, oh, that sounds hip. Uh, fading into forever, what does that mean? What I really mean by that is how in the midst of this fading reality do we take hold of that forever reality and live in this fading reality in light of that? So let's, well, actually I prayed, so let's dive in. Uh, so when Paul says to stand, to stand firm in the Lord, again, just in verse, it's in one. stand firm thusly in the Lord, my beloved. It, it's easy to think when you read that, that Paul is saying in your strength, Right? Like we read that and we're saying, well, Paul's saying, hey, gin up enough spiritual vigor, right? Like, like have enough of, of just this strength, kind of like if you want to stand, have strong legs. And he's saying like spiritually, just be strong enough, persevere, push through, right? Just be strong. But here's the thing, Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. Paul's saying you have a reality in the Lord that you will never be able to strengthen your legs, your spiritual legs strong enough, never be able to persevere long enough to be able to stand when the world really starts to shake you. And and what you need underneath everything in this world is you need a reality that is firm and steady and does not move or budge, and it's forever. You need that in the Lord. In other words, or else what will happen is you will topple. Even the strongest building, an earthquake eventually can take it down. And when life brings those kinds of earthquakes, you don't want to be st- just thinking, I'm strong enough. You'll topple, you'll fall apart. Paul says you need a firm reality, something that won't fall apart when everything else does. And that's what we have here in Jesus, Paul says, in the Lord. So, what does it mean to stand firm in the Lord? What does that mean? Well, Paul, in many ways, last week has already, he said it several times throughout the letter, but the most recent is Paul has just said back in verse 12, Christ has made me his own. In other words, what he's saying is you have a reality in the Lord, and what Christ has done, he's made you his own, and so he has given you something secure that cannot be lost. When all else is shaking, when all else is cracking and crumbling beneath you, he's saying this is the one thing that you cannot lose. It's in Christ. In other words, what he's saying is, what has Christ done? He's saying that if you're in Jesus Christ, what happened? Was that at some point in the the heavens already, in that courtroom scene, what happened was the record of your sins and your debts was closed. It was closed, and it was sealed with the blood of Jesus. It was sealed with his Holy Spirit. And that record was taken, and it was thrown away into the grave. When, when the son of God went on the cross and entered the grave before you and it's buried there in the grave never to be read again never to be seen again and what happened then in the midst of that is then he said but not only that now I also in my resurrection and giving you a new reality that now there's a new folder that there's a new book like the Lamb book, Lamb's book of life that is opened up and your name is there and he says this is who you are you are my child welcome to my forever home can never be lost. And Paul says, do you know that reality? Because if you have that, then no matter what the world throws your way, no matter what feels like you're losing or what feels shaky, you will always have that and you will know that home is never in question. So if that is true, then then why do things seem so unstable? Why is it that often in our lives, if this is a beautiful truth, you go, well, then I should just take hold of that. And then, then nothing will ever seem like unstable in my life. And nothing will ever seem like it's just kind of fit, like a phantom, like fading. And Why do I struggle with this? And Paul says it is natural when things are unstable to grab what seems to be stable. In fact, Paul describes it as what many will do. Verse 18, he says, for many... Of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So what he's saying is in the default of this world, when, when everything's shaking, what we should be able to do is we should hold on to the cross of Christ. And we should say, When everything else is falling apart, I know that this will not. And we grab hold of it, and everything's shaking, and that does not crumble. And Paul's saying, You must do that, or what will happen is you're going to grab on to something. None of us are strong enough when the world, when life, it shakes us not to grab onto something. It's not a question of if you will, it's what will you grab? And if you don't grab the cross, then you will grab something in this world. And he said, Paul says, that makes you an enemy of the cross because you're saying, I can do this on my own. And he's saying, you can't. Everything in this world will just shake with it. You can't find your stability. You'll find it in something, the cross in Christ or something else. And Paul says, in the end, if it's not Christ that you cling to, they'll end in destruction. Now, why? It's verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Why? If we grab hold of things of this world, why does it end in destruction? I think as Paul goes on. Because it produces a kind of dying to live. Produces a kind of trying to find what we're looking for in forever and what's fading. Trying to grab what's a vapor. Trying to find steadiness in something that as soon as we grab it, fails us. A franticness that drives us to grab hold of things that will only fail us when they fade and crumble. And he says it starts with setting our minds on earthly things. Our minds just latch on. We, we just focus on the things that are right in front of us, right? This is completely natural. We, we focus on what's right in front of us, and our minds are just set on these things. And he says, when you do that, what happens is all you see around you are just the fading things. Even though right now they seem like they might be like, stable and things that you can grab onto, those things will fade eventually. We believe the lie, though, that they'll last forever. My job will stabilize me. My spouse or my kids can be my foundation. relationship, a pleasure, control over something, a new car. <laughs> or, well, if I can't silence it by getting things, then I can numb it and live that way as well, anesthetize it. What Paul's saying is our default is to try to find what we're meant to have in the forever. And what's fading. And Paul says our bellies will become our God. Driven by an insatiable hunger for what only God can provide. See, one of the, what does Paul mean by this? Like the, our bellies become our God, like driving our lives. Interesting phrase, right? When, um, when we were actually training to become foster parents, they, they taught something that was very important that I had never heard of which is food insecurity and they taught what what will happen to expect in your house where when these children are coming in who most of them have never known when the next meal will come because they've lived in this life where no one's ever really cared for them and taken care of them what, they never know where the next meal will come or if they will get the next meal or if it will be pulled like kept from them in some cruel way and so these children come into your home and you just think it's normal that Parents provide meals at certain times. There's food in the fridge. There's food in the cupboard. See, we're, we're fine. You can, but what happens is when they've lived that way, when they come into your home, they don't believe any of that's true. And so when they come in, they come in with this deep insecurity saying that, no, these things are not secure. And so you, you do things like you leave out like, hey, here's a drawer full of food. At all times, you can always get food because what they do is they come into your home and in the middle of the night, they're, they're grabbing food and they're hoarding it and they're fighting with one another for it. And they're, they're, just, and they're consuming it and binge eating on it because they deep down don't believe it's going to be there because no one's ever loved them and provided. And so they're just driven by this appetite. And Paul, I think, is saying something similar to that. It's happening on a spiritual level in our lives. When we live in this way, we live in this world that's fading. And all we know is that it's just doggy dog, that it's just competition and competition and competition. And if you, and you never know where the next thing will come. And so he's saying, No, you have a forever home. Your heavenly Father will provide, and He will satisfy those longings that are deep in your heart. But when all we know is the fading, We live with that insecurity. We try to find it wherever we can. Become driven by our appetites, food, sex, intimacy, money, approval. Even the desire for peace. Good things, even. But we try to find them in what's fading. Rather than in what's forever. And when we give ourselves over to fading things, our t- souls get trapped in a fading world. Uh, it's going to feel a little bit youth groupish, but I have a. I think I've shared this maybe a few times, but I've never done it with an actual uh, illustration. I believe this is a pomegranate. I tried to find a fruit big enough uh, this morning, and um, here's what I mean by being trapped spiritually. <laughs> How do you catch a monkey? you're like, I've never thought about that. Uh, I've never seen it, but so I've been told. This is how. That you put a piece of fruit where you can fit your hand in a jar. This would usually be like a steel jar or something. But you put a piece of fruit in there. Big enough so that when you grab it, your hand can't escape. And so what happens is they come along and they say, I want this. And then they go... But here's the thing that happens because they don't want to let go because they want this so badly. They just keep trying to rip their hand out and they can't get their hand out as long as they hold on to this thing. And what Paul is saying is what happens is in this fading world that when we grab on the fading things and we try constantly, God, would you give me this relationship? God, would you just with this career finally just fix that sense of inadequacy? Or guys, I'll just say it this week where I'm like, why are there, why do these things happen in a church? God says there are things that you cannot find in this world that will satisfy you, but when you try to grab onto things and you try to demand that you will find the forever and the fading. trapped in this world so the question i ask myself is does that just mean i just have to like rip off a part of myself does that just mean that i just bury this thing that i just like i go through life like that that deep longing and it's just like i just rip that off and i bury it and i numb it and i just move on is that what christianity is that what Paul's saying But yeah, 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 forever, whatever. But in this life, you're just going to walk through life and you're just going to be constantly in this place where it's just, just, just numb it, just bury it. Just move on. I don't think that's what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is, well, to capture it, I think the Puritans had, one of the old Puritans, I think it was Thomas Chalmers, he said, what we need is the expulsive power of a new affection. And I know that sounds, you're like, yeah, that sounds very Puritanish, right? Uh, here's what he meant by the expulsive power of a new affection is that when we grab hold of these things and you're looking at this, that then when you look up at every time we're looking at things in this fading world and saying, I want this, I want this. If I just had this thing, God says, and what Paul is saying is look up and remember that you have it in Christ Whatever your heart is looking for, whatever security it is, whatever control it is, whatever longing it is, ultimately you find it in a chief shepherd who will never fail you. He's gone before you. He will be long after you. He is forever, and he has you in the palm of his hand. In other words, the only way is to look up and see what you're looking for in him. And then you let go. A new affection to see Christ more clearly, to see new depths of the cross, to see new realities and freedoms of the resurrection. The stability of the fact that you have a forever home in him is the only thing where you'll be able to let go of this and stop trying to find your stability on it. And what Paul is saying is, you'll never find what you're looking for until you let go of what is fading and look to what is forever. Only then will you be free. Only then can you be free. Only then can you truly move towards and find the things that your heart is truly longing for. And then all the good things of this world will take their proper place. In other words, what Paul is saying is what the disciples realized. And what I think this moment in this week when I was just looking at this reality, where, where we're at in this week with the decision that was made. As guys, it comes down to the words of the disciples when they said to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else can we go but to Christ? In a fading world, what else is forever but him? Don't search forever for forever in the fading. If you try to find the forever in the fading, you will have an endless, the only thing that will be forever is your search. Instead, Jesus says, look to your forever home, because only then will these light and momentary afflictions and pains Fade into a forever glory that is to be revealed in Christ. So fading into forever. How do our hearts get so captivated with forever? Where do we begin? So in the midst of this, that it would just be kind of this reality right now, being in the fading, that the fading would actually fade and forever would become with this weight in our lives. I think it's best to turn our gaze this this morning... I, to just what awaits us. I like say, look to Christ. For every, I would say for every 10 looks at things in this world, just or one look at things in this world, take 10 looks at Christ. Be in scripture this week. I've been over and over again reading through Revelation and reading through places where it's like, what this home that I have, this place is one theologian called heaven, this, the place of love, where God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there and present. And he calls us to him. So here's what I want to do. I, I, I just, I want to point our heart to where our true hope lies. And I want God's word to be able to do the work it needs to do. So I'm just going to read God's word. Revelation 21. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to encourage you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read these words that Jesus, uh, from Jesus in this reality. And just let it marinate in our souls to meditate on what God says is true. The forever home that is securely ours in Christ. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And as I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying. Behold. The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear. From their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to them, to me. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God and he will be my son. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Anthem This is your forever home. And it is sure, because your chief shepherd will not fade. So set your eyes on him. And even it's interesting because you you think citizenship in heaven, so we focus on a place, but it's not even so much when it says that our citizenship is in heaven and from it. What is the it? The it actually, I think, refers to citizenship. It's actually interesting. Is it heaven? Is it? Is it? It's kind of vague, and the interesting thing is, it's because it's not just a place. It's not just like Disneyland's going to descend to the earth one day, right? And you're like, well, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be Disneyland. It's going to be... That's not the the point. The point is that there's a person. That the person is the one who this whole time has been leading you, who's been calling you to himself, and he will be there. He will be present. And this is why Paul says set your eyes on not a place but a person a savior the lord jesus christ he uses every one of those names for a reason they're all very specific he says he is the savior jesus is the one who seals our records jesus is the one because of his work that we've entered that courtroom already he's the savior who because of him when we stepped into that room the judge says you are forgiven welcome to your forever home your record is nailed to the cross And now I only look at you as a son and a daughter. Welcome in. He's the savior. How? Is that just a nice idea? Is it just a nice idea about we just project some human idea of a home and the security of a home onto the heavens and so we've just some psychosis where we project it and that's just what God is and he provides a home? No. He says he is also Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, if you don't know, is the Greek form of Joshua. Joshua being the one in the Old Testament who led the people of God into the promised land. See, when God says, I will invite you into your forever forever home, it is the promised land. I've promised you in Christ. And he is the new Joshua. Joshua can only lead his people into a temporary land. But my Joshua, my Jesus, will lead you into a forever home that can never be taken away. And he is the Christ, the one who atones for our sins. The one who went to the cross, the king who sacrificially laid himself down. He is the Christ of God. All the Caesars of Paul's day that they put their trust in paled in comparison to this Christ. And he is the Lord. Yahweh. I am. The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if he, Jesus, is Yahweh, and he has secured for you a home in his presence, his reign will be forever as Yahweh is forever. And it will never fade. This is what you can build your life on and stand firm on. That in Jesus, what you have is not fading, but it is forever. And he says, let go of what is fading. Come to me. Are you weary of this fading world? Come to me. Do you need rest? Come to me. Is your heart broken? Come to me. Are you unsure of the path ahead? Come to me. Are you hurting? Come to me. Are you confident? Are you in a good place? Are you in a devastated place? Wherever you are, come to me. The door is open. Come. Because in Jesus, nothing is unsteady. Nothing is fading. In him, you have a forever home. So anthem right now in this season. Take hold of that precious truth. And stand firm in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, you are our shepherd. You are our chief shepherd, Jesus. We shall not want. You make us lie down in green pastures. You always give us firm ground to stand on. You nourish us in that ground. You lead us beside still waters even in the valley that is a shadow of death. Lord, in the midst of all these things that can feel like clouds eclipsing your glory, clouds eclipsing joy in you, or just feels like death and darkness is all there will ever be. But remind us it's merely a shadow. In the midst of this valley, Lord, that you are with us and you lead us by still waters. That at every point, while we feel like it's just suffocating, Lord, that at any moment we can turn to the right or the left and you are there, flowing waters. Lord, would you turn us aside to you? Teach us to turn to you, not to what is fading. Help us to draw near to you, to come, to hear your voice calling out to us. Come to me. Set our minds on our forever home. Where these tears will fade. This pain will fade. Fade into forever. In the presence of our chief shepherd. Even now, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.